Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary on a busy Thursday. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. It is NFL Power Rankings Day, so we'll get into that. Uh, also a bit on the Raptors game from last night, the Flames game tonight. Some weird news from the NHL, and we'll close with today's ticket. As always, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email this show, Diary at yahoo.com. Um, so, like I said, busy show, like the video, subscribe to the channel, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you can. My dog is just shaken up with all the excitement going on today. So let's get into it and look at our NFL power rankings. All right, um, let's get right into it, shall we? The NFL power rankings. First, we have, uh, or last, I guess, we have the Carolina Panthers. It's just been a bad year out in Carolina. They need a strong finish to the season here from Bryce Young to feel good about things going into to next season. But it's it's going real bad out in Carolina right now. Uh, at 31, it is the Arizona Cardinals. Now, this could change. Kyler Murray coming back. But the, the good vibes that were coming from this team battling at the beginning of the regular season, it's very clear that as this season is going on, they are falling farther and further behind the rest of the NFL. Uh, Denver in at 30, what what hasn't been said? I would imagine this team sells off some pieces here as we approach the NFL trade deadline. At 29, it's Green Bay. It continues to be bad out in Green Bay. And I, I really thought that there would be a bounce back this year, or not even a bounce back, just a, a continuing up with some of these young players. But it just, it simply hasn't happened for Green Bay this year. So they're down at 29. At 28, it's the Raiders. That was an abysmal performance against the Chicago Bears last week. Uh, now they're in prime time on Monday Night Football against the Detroit Lions. It's going to be a real rough one. So your bottom five, uh, the Raiders, the Packers, the Broncos, Cardinals, and Carolina. So if everything, like if, if those end up being the bottom five teams in the draft, then Chicago gets the first overall, would get the first overall pick. Um, and I would imagine Caleb Williams is the call. And then you, you move Justin Fields on somewhere else. Um, Arizona at two, that kind of takes them out of the Caleb Williams. I mean, obviously it takes them out of the Caleb Williams. There are a couple of other good quarterbacks available. Do they go that direction or do they just go with Marvin Harrison Jr., the number one receiver in the country and build up your weapons for, for Kyler Murray that way? I think that'd be an interesting pivot for them. I'd imagine Denver goes quarterback. Green Bay would be, because there's like three or four quarterbacks where you can make a real compelling case for them. Um, Green Bay, it would be interesting to see them go with a, a quarterback. And then what do the Raiders do coming off of that? It's um, a lot of big decisions to be made by these teams. At 27, I have New Orleans. It's just been ugly so far this year. This defense is good, but the offense has been abysmal for uh, the Saints. At 26, New England gets their biggest win of the season, which isn't hard. They only have two of them. But I'm not going to move them up all that much. I'm not taking it seriously. It's one game. I'm not going to... Not going to lose my mind over this one, that's for sure. Uh, at 25, it's the Giants. Um, a, a fine win against Washington. Coming off of a game, maybe you should have won against Buffalo, so maybe I should be moving this team higher as they, they start to maybe progress through the season a little bit more, but it's still a bad football team. At 24, Chicago, they they definitely won against the Raiders in a, an ugly, ugly game um, that is going to lead to a lot of calls of, hey, could Georgia have beat these teams? Um, well, we'll see about that, I suppose. At 23, it's the Indianapolis Colts. Gardner Minshew inspiring this offense to a big performance against uh, the Cleveland Browns, but that defense is having some problems. Um, 
22, Minnesota, all of a sudden the Vikings are three and four and, and starting to, to move the football pretty effectively. I'm not buying it, but they're doing some things at least. 21, it's Washington. That was an ugly football game and uh, it's becoming very clear that Sam Howell ain't it at the, the quarterback spot there for Washington. Um, at 20, Atlanta, again, this is another one where it just feels like we're beating a dead horse. They have everything there figured out except for the quarterback. So, man, that would be an interesting Justin Fields spot, um, it, it, depending on how Fields kind of finishes this year. That's going to be an interesting conversation out in Chicago. Um, the Jets at 19, they now... Um, kind of go into the this second part of the season. What are they going to, to look like? But there's there's a lot of pieces there that you really like with the New York Jets. At 18, Houston. Um, 17, the Tennessee Titans. It feels like it's done in Tennessee. A lot of talk about moving Derrick Henry. Um, Will Levis is going to, to get the start at quarterback this week for the, this Titans squad. It, it feels like the beginning of a new era out in Tennessee, and it, it's not going to be an inspiring journey, I don't think, for the next couple of years for the Titans. At 16, it's Tampa Bay. Couldn't quite get the job done in a game that I really needed them to get the job done in. Um, at 15, it's the Chargers, and quite frankly, that's still probably way too high for the most disappointing team in the NFL this season. It's been abysmal to watch. It's been... I think that there needs to be real discussion had about Justin Herbert. Like, we, we have given this kid a pass on everything. And I think rightfully so, right? Like, that there is a lot that has gone on around this team. Um, coaching decisions and whatnot that aren't his fault. And again, injuries aplenty with this squad. But at some point, some of the blame has to be placed on the quarterback. Uh, at 14, it's the LA Rams. That's a tough loss against Pittsburgh, who comes in at 13. At 12, it's Seattle. They keep winning games, but um, this offense feels a little stuck in the mud right now. Um, at 11, Cincinnati. 10, it's Cleveland. They are again going to be without Deshaun Watson this week. That defense had some real problems, way too many problems against the Indianapolis Colts. We'll see what they do um, coming up here this week. At 9, it's Jacksonville, which I think is a real statement of how many not great teams there are in the National Football League. Um, at 8, it's Detroit. That was a humbling coming back down to earth moment for the Detroit Lions. At 7, it's Buffalo. I said this week that I think the Buffalo Bills are frauds and that they have shown that they, um, uh, they need to show me a lot over the next little bit against an actual good team before I'm moving them into a, a, an upper tier level. Sorry, my dog is is right here saying hi to me. Hey, puppy. Um, at six, it is the Dallas Cowboys. Five, Baltimore with a big win over Detroit, humbling that team and um, kind of, I think, reminding everyone what this offense can look like. At four, it's Miami. They've Again, they lose to Philadelphia, but they were right there with the Eagles, so I, I don't move them down that far. At three, it's San Francisco. They need to get things figured out. Sounds like Sam Darnold's going to get the start this week. As someone who is in the I-can-never-quit-Sam Darnold camp, I'll be interested to see what this looks like this week. At two, it's Philadelphia and the number one team in all the land right now, the Kansas City Chiefs. So there are your power rankings going into week eight of the NFL. Let's get into some basketball as the, the season has sipped up over the last couple of days. The Raptors tip off their season with a win over the Minnesota Timberwolves, a three-point victory, although it was really six. Cat hit a three with, like, 0.3 seconds left. 
excuse me, on the clock. But that's literally part of the game. So uh, the Raptors with a three-point win. I don't know how much we learned about this team. Or maybe we did learn, but I don't know how much is different about this team. There's a little bit, but we'll get into it. The main thing that you're, of course, looking for with this Raptors squad after last season is what does the half-court offense look like? And it's still a bit of a slog in the half court for this team. Um, that, that's going to be an issue for them all season long. It was their biggest issue a, a season ago. And while Minnesota is a strong team, I do think that this is going to be something that's going to be a bit of a problem against better offensive teams. The good thing is the defense looks strong. So they're, they're going to be able to, to push off of basically every stop and they're kind of going to have to because offensively, it just felt like it was stuck in the mud once again this season. The good thing is, in the second half of this game, they started hitting their threes. And that's really that's really what this game came down to, right? And a lot of basketball people will get a little bit frustrated with this, but it really, th this was a make-or-miss game. The, the Raptors just, they weren't hitting their shots in the first half, and then they were in the second half, and wouldn't you know it, they started to play better in the second half. Like, that's just... That, that's what this game came down to, is the, it, it, it feels very oversimplified, but um, the, the, basket, the the ball went into the basket more in the second half, and that's what the Raptors needed. I don't think they executed any better. I don't think they did anything uh, any differently. It just felt like it was a, um, it just felt like it, it was a, a matter of the shots went in. And look, if, if they're going to be better from three-point range this year, that is going to help this offense more and more, I think, as the season goes on. Um, OG was lights out from the, the corner. Siakam was hitting his shots. Schroeder played really, really well. So if the, the, the three ball does start to fall a little bit more for this team, it's going to be... It's going to be a really, really strong year, I think, for Toronto. Um, defensively, like I said, defensively, this team was great. Um, I, I really liked what I saw from them all over. Well, once again, like, it, it's the stars, right? Like, it's OG, it, it's Scotty Barnes. Those guys stepped up defensively in big-time ways, and that allowed them to get out in transition where they were lethal all game long. They played extremely well in fast-break situations and were a really dangerous team because of it. And that, that's going to be a big part of this group this year is pushing off of um, other teams' misses. They're going to have to because they're not they're just not good enough offensively to, to not do anything like that. Like I said before, I really like Schroeder's game. He brings a pace to this team that the Raptors haven't really had out of the point guard position maybe ever. Like Lowry would... Um, Fred Van Vliet would, but like they've never had a real burner at point guard, maybe like a, a Rafer Alston type. Um, and, and like those offenses ended up being pretty fun. Uh, TJ Ford would probably be the, the better example for, for that from a, a Raptors point guard standpoint, someone who could just fly shooter can fly. And with a team that's going to be so heavily based in transition, it seems like a really good fit. So I think that there is something there with Dennis Schroeder and the, the Toronto Raptors. Um, and another one that I said last night, I told you guys, I, I've been calling it for three years, but it's the Precious Achua breakout. He looked excellent last night. Um, Achua and Siakam in the pick and roll with uh, Siakam lobbing it to Achua. Achua worked a couple of times. He runs the floor really well for a big guy. Um, defensively, he is very strong. I, I really, really liked what I saw from the, this Toronto Raptors squad in, in this game. Like I said, there's a couple things that need to be worked on, but otherwise... You really like what you see. I got a chance to watch a little bit of Boston against the Knicks. Um, yeah, Boston against the Knicks before th this game started. And I 
I think both teams are really interesting. I think you saw the pros and cons of what the um, what the Celtics are going to do this year. With Kristaps Porzingis, when he is healthy, man, he is a matchup problem. Uh, Mitchell Robinson just looked absolutely lost trying to defend Porzingis out on the perimeter. He made a really nice back cut, and Robinson was still defending ghosts out at the three-point line. So that, that's going to make Boston a really difficult matchup play this year. But you saw the opposite end of it with, with Tatum guarding the four, uh, Julius Randle just absolutely murderized him in the um in a post up like he he just he took it to that dude now holiday's going to be there to help with, with uh very quick hands to kind of poke some balls loose and, and stuff like that but that that was really interesting um both teams are going to be good i i feel good about both calls coming into this year um specifically the Knicks made me finishing third in the east i I, I, I like what I saw from both of those teams. So it's been a fun start to the NBA season. Uh, one thing I was a little bit wrong on, I have concerns about um, Golden State outside of Steph Curry. Now, it's early, but night one, it was, okay, well, Steph Curry, you can see he he still got it, and the rest of the team was just kind of there. Uh, so going to need to see a little bit more from Golden State uh, to take them a little bit more seriously as this goes along. But those are just a, a couple basketball notes I had here on a Thursday. Let's get into a, a preview, shall we, as we get ready for the Flames and the St. Louis Blues tonight. So the Flames try to get back on track tonight as they take on the St. Louis Blues. Here's a couple of things that I'm watching for tonight. The first thing I want to see from this team is any form of life. It was, like I said, such a lifeless performance from the Flames on, uh, what was that, Tuesday night? They they just need to bring the energy in this game this evening. I, I would imagine, um, like, start with a Walker-Dewer line, have him go in there, plaster a couple of guys through the walls, and, like, really get this building going. You need the best players to step up. Um, Huberto has had a lot of the spotlight the last little bit. Kadri... I don't think has had one good game with the Flames so far this season. Those two guys need to step up in this hockey game as this thing continues to, to kind of falter a, a little bit. Um, Soloviev comes into the, the lineup tonight for, well, at least he gets called up by the Flames tonight. We'll see what he can provide on defense because that, that sixth spot has been lacking so far. Gilbert and Osterley have been okay. Um, I, Osterley had a rough one the other night, but... What we'll see now, if maybe a bit of youth can provide a bit of a spark to that team on the blue line. Um, on the Blues side of things, I I, I I don't have high expectations for the St. Louis team this year. Cairo and Thomas are, I think, some pretty good building blocks for this team. But I, I want to see if there's anything else aside from those guys right now that provides any real threat. Um, and in goal, Bennington has had his struggles so far this season for the Blues. So I, I think it's an interesting matchup. It's a couple of teams that ha have kind of just had middling starts to this season, and both are teams that I, I think want to be in that playoff. Well, obviously, every team wants to be in that playoff mix, but th there are expectations that both would at least be in that playoff mix. Let's see what both of these teams come up with tonight at the Dome. It's a 7 o'clock start, um, and I will be on Game Over Calgary once the game is over to break it all down so you can find me on the SDPN YouTube channel probably around 9.30, 9.45 
five, getting ready for um, or breaking down the Flames and the Blues as we head into the Heritage Classic. And a reminder, Game Over is heading to Edmonton. Um, we have Game Over crew there. Avery, Dennis, and Zach are going to be at the live show at the Pint on White, along with myself and Audie. We will have some guests as well. It is going to be a whole lot of fun um, chatting out there. So we are going to be live. Get your tickets now. They are free. Um, the, the link has been sent out. It's in the, the, the show notes for all the Game Over shows. So check that out. Um, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And I hope to see you all there. Um, all right. I want to get into the Shane Pinto conversation here. It's an interesting subject. So Shane Pinto has been set, uh, suspended 41 games for gambling-related information or gambling-related activity. Sorry, I want to read the exact statement from the the National Hockey League here. Uh, let's just see, da, da, da. one more time, gotta scroll, sorry, I should have had this pulled up sooner, definitely could have edited this out, but I'm not going to. Uh, the National Hockey League announced today that it has suspended NHL player Shane Pinto for 41 games for activities relating to sports wagering. The league's investigation found no evidence that Pinto made any wager on NHL games. The NHL considers the matter closed, uh, since the emergence of new information and will have no further comment. Uh, for for what it's worth, Pinto's crew has uh, issued a statement apologizing to the Ottawa Senators. Say they, they knew about the investigation. Um, so that there's there's a lot going on here. The league drops the hammer on this. It's a, a 41 game suspension for Shane Pinto. The no gambling on um, NHL games is an interesting note because that's really the only thing that that's hard line outlined in the the, the league CBA uh, about gambling is like don't bet on games which absolutely should be like that that's completely 100% fine so um I, I'm making a lot of assumptions here but I wonder if th this is kind of like what we've seen in the NFL where players have been suspended for gambling at team facilities you can't be doing that um I wonder if there's something similar to that in the NHL and, and Shane Pinto got caught up in in doing that so that that would be my guess I am seeing a lot of people commenting and that there is that there's a level of hypocrisy here because every commercial break in the NHL and on the ice and on the the moving board ads that needed to go away immediately um you have been seeing sports betting sports betting gamble gamble bet 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 and then a player does and it's like hey fuck you um so it's it's uh, it, there does seem to be a level of hypocrisy there however there has to be a separation between the two there. Like, yes, it is kind of very hypocritical that the league is going to get all this gambling money, but a player gambles and it's the, the hammer gets thrown, the, the, the hammer gets brought down and the book gets thrown at them. But you cannot have even the slightest hint of any kind of collusion or any kind of funny business going on with that when, when it comes to the gambling world. It, it is an absolute no-no. You, you cannot have there be even a, a hint of it. People weren't pissed. Like, the, the, the big uproar about B. John Robinson um, not being on the injury list for the the Atlanta Falcons going into their game last week where he played, like, one game and then, oh, yeah, he was dealing with a little bit of something. Well, you need to let everyone know. And it's not for the competitive balance of the National Football League. And it's not, despite what you may think, about your dumbass fantasy football team. It's about the people in Vegas and the, the sports bettors who are putting hundreds of thousands, if not tens of millions of dollars down on these games and making big moves off of it. Once you get in, in bed with that world, 
um, there can be no, the, the, all the information, as much information as you can give has to be given, and there can be no, absolutely no hint that there's any kind of funny business going on because of the tens of millions of dollars that are being exchanged. So yeah, it it seems weird that a league that is so in bed with gambling is going to suspend a player for gambling, but this is one of the things that has to happen when you get into this world, is that you have to make sure the players are at least a couple arm's lengths away from this because you cannot have a, a Tim Donahue situation. Uh, you cannot have the, the Black Sox or anything like that. You can't have there be even the slightest hint that players might be gambling on games and have that start to affect them because that goes through a, an entirely bigger chain that is significantly bigger than the NHL. So they have to they have to make it look like they're making a big thing on this, even though so much ad revenue has been spent around gambling on this sport, cannot have the players involved in, in anything that looks like that. So that's why this is happening here um, today. Um, it ends up being a little... We it's weird, but it's kind of good for the Sens. Obviously, the, the team um, wants Shane Pinto back, but he has been a restricted free agent. He's not under contract technically right now with the club, and they didn't have the cab space to fit him in. So that kicks this can down the road quite a bit for the, the Ottawa Senators. But um, as Charlie from Game Over Ottawa has said in our, our Game Over group chat, this team just refuses to be normal. Every season, something weird happens with the Ottawa Senators. So a, a weird story. I imagine we're going to get more details throughout the day and throughout the weeks to come, but a weird story out in Ottawa. So hey, with that being said, let's gamble. It's time for today's ticket. All right, um, once again, bit of a rough one last night. I, I said it felt like I was being baited into to all of those games, and I, I was baited into all of them, except for the Oklahoma City one. Uh, that was an absolute shit-kicking last night by Oklahoma City, and that was a plus number, so, you know, we... we we made some of it back last night. Let's try to... We're chasing it now, but let's get after it. We'll start in the NFL. Thursday night football tonight. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Buffalo Bills. I have Tampa Bay plus nine and a half. This Buffalo offense isn't blowing anyone out right now. Um, so I... And I, I Tampa Bay's been scrappy. So nine and a half. We'll absolutely take that one. Also going under 43 and a half for, for this game. Like I said, Buffalo's offense has not been blowing people out. I, I think that the, this game can stay under the number. Uh, we move to the National Hockey League. The Detroit Red Wings are underdogs against the, the Winnipeg Jets this evening. Detroit is off to a red-hot start this season. That offense is flying around while the Jets are a little bit banged up. I would imagine Detroit kind of takes it to Winnipeg tonight, so I like Detroit straight up plus 107. Um, I have a line here that I need to check on that one real quick. I wrote this down and it feels like, no, I'm right. Um, okay. Minnesota wild to beat the Philadelphia Flyers by a goal and a half. I have Minnesota minus one and a half over the, the Flyers. I was like, is that baseball? But no, the, the, the wild seven goals against the, the Ottawa senators. Philadelphia is not a good hockey team. So I, I don't mind having to give up a, a point and a half in that one. And then just straight up Phoenix taking on the LA Lakers. I, I think the Lakers are a strong team this year, but Phoenix off to a good start. I like Phoenix to win this one straight up at plus one ninety. So that is today's ticket. And that's today's show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Remember rate review, subscribe wherever you can like this video. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment. If you disagree with anything that I said, um, 
coming up on the show tomorrow. It's a Fights in Football Friday. We'll break down all the changes to UFC 295 ahead of that card next month out at Madison Square Garden. Uh, we'll be looking at Tyson Fury against Francis Ngannou, um, and we'll have a full NFL preview. And CFL, uh, I was going to say CFL preview, not really. Um, this week doesn't matter in the Canadian football league, but... Um, if you want CFL thoughts, I gave a bunch of them on the riders in the rest of the league yesterday on the Power Rankings episode. Um, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email this show, CouchPotatoDiary, at yahoo.com. Um, also find the show on Facebook. As for me, like I said, tonight I'm on Game Over Calgary. This afternoon, I'm on Sportsnet 960 The Fan from 1 to 3. That is today, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday as well. Uh, coming up on Sunday, Game Over. Calgary and Edmonton will be live from the Pint on White in Edmonton. Get your tickets now. Um, link is all over all of my social media that I just gave out. It's going to be a whole lot of fun up in Edmonton as we react to the Heritage Classic on Sunday. The show will be around 8 o'clock once the, the game is done. Um, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. I hope to see a lot of you out there. That's going to do it. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you all later.